Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. I'm so happy that you're here with us. It's Monday. We usually do our shows on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights, but we have a cool guest with us today, and we're working around baseball schedules and a little bit of snow. I thought they were kidding yesterday on the Weather Channel and stuff when they put up the huge, you know, frost zone, snow zone going across the country on the East Coast. I'm like, okay, they're going to say they're kidding, but they're not. It's actually snowing up here in Maine. I see little flakes falling, and i got to tell you, I'm not happy because it had looked like we had the great, you know, icebergs receding kind of thing going on. I can see the back patio. I can see some of the yards and daffodils thinking about coming up, and it's snowing. So not good baseball weather. Right, Coach Pine? We need snow gone. Yeah, we uh, I, again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for accommodating the schedule a little bit. But we've been, I've been spent my morning today already moving moving my game this afternoon back to uh, hopefully allow for this to melt on the turf here. So we'll see. Oh, well, so everybody, Coach Pines with us. That's his voice. Um, he is the head baseball coach of Clark University, and he joined the baseball program there in 2015. And am I right? Is this your third season? Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not a math major. I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> so simple math baffles me. Um, but the Cougars, go Cougars! Um, now you have you have some main ties. Um, the show, our show. You know, I'm here in Maine doing the show, but the you know the show goes across the country and even you know to other countries as well. But do you want to tell us about your connection to Maine? Sure. My uh, my main ties are. are as as deep as they probably can be without being from Maine and uh <laughs> um I know you you sort of have this similar experience where you've been there for a long time but you're not native and they'll probably never let you forget that but um uh <laughs> growing up I had an aunt yeah. that lived in in southern Maine and so we spent a lot of time there and then uh I went to college at St. Joseph's College in Standish Maine um and I graduated in 2001 and uh my my parents uh, have uh, have a place in uh, in Kennebunk, Maine, and uh, after about five years, I coached at, at a school in New Hampshire, St. Anselm College, Division II school, and uh, I ended up back at St. Joe's for a year uh, as an assistant coach, and that's where I met my wife, who's a Maine native, and um, and we've been married since 2010, and um, prior to coming to Clark, I spent two years at the University of Maine in Orono. So um, spent a lot of time, have a lot of connections, a lot of deep, meaningful relationships with Maine people and, and Maine family, and, uh, uh, and and we miss it a lot. We miss a lot of aspects of it, but we're we're very happy we, we've landed where we are here in, in Worcester. Yeah, yeah it, you know, when I first landed here, I had a, a TV job um, here in Maine, and I pronounced – a couple um, cities wrong, and that was one of them. <laughs> Live on oh, the yeah, air. Oh yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, we, and that's also for me as a guy who goes by my initials. 
I answer to any two letters you put together. I turn around. If you call me DJ, PJ, CJ, I turn around and answer, and I don't. I generally don't correct people at this point. And it's the same thing with Worcester, Worcester, uh, you name it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like <laughs> and my wife, I mentioned my wife from Maine, and she's from New Gloucester. So New Gloucester, oh. New Glo- so forget about all that. So yeah. pronunciation, I'd, I'm, you're not going to get, get corrected by me unless you're wearing a, okay, a Clark good. University uniform. <laughs> Exactly. That's too funny. Um, okay, so let's talk about Clark University because that is a beautiful school, a beautiful campus, a beautiful, an absolutely beautiful baseball field. Oh, my gosh. It is. I, I think of it, and one of the things, the perspectives that I use in, in the way that we recruit student-athletes and, and different things, the perspective that I use is for somebody that grew up. I grew up in Milford, Massachusetts. It was about 25, 30 minutes from, from Worcester. And um, – I never. I knew Clark University was was here. I knew it was a good school, um, and that's where where my knowledge sort of ended. So, um, the process when the job came open, uh, it, it was really from sort of a fresh perspective of let's see what this place is. I didn't have a lot of, you know, preconceived notions and 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 um, strong feelings. I just said let's let's go take a look with. Um, with a fresh set of eyes and, and I was really blown away. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an urban type campus with a lot of green space and it's from an academic standpoint, it's, it's really like a, the best way to, it's kind of cliche, but it's really a hidden jewel. And, and Mm -hmm. uh, the academics here are incredibly challenging. It's a a very much an, an academic institution first and foremost. And, um, at the same time, we play in um, one of, if not the top Division three conferences in the country, the NUMAC. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in with MIT and Wheaton and WPI and Springfield, among some others. Uh, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a great place. And it's, you know, it is the, the sort of nearing the end of my third year here at Clark. And even now, um, I, I still sort of learn things as I go, learn new and kind of fun, exciting things about the university all the time. Now, there's another guy there um, who coaches with you that I think is, I think the world of as well. His name is Coach Trindle. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk about who you, all your coaches with that coach with you for a minute? Sure, sure. Yeah, I am. Um, I think that, that uh, you know, all of us as head coaches, and I know you've, you've spoken with, with many, many, many coaches, um, I think we all sort of have a, a, a dream staff in mind. You know, if you ever get that next job or your head, your first head coaching job, and um, you know, very rarely do you get to actually put that together. And um, um, you know, one of the things that, that that I had a lot of fun with when I was at the University of Maine. I know you you spoke with Nick Durba recently. He's a great guy. Uh, he's one of the Number best. One. And, and and they did they swept Albany, so that's good. Um, but we uh, we. We talked often about you know the next time for me I had been a head coach previously. Um, for him, this is his first opportunity, and so we talked about putting staff together all the time and and how important it is. And uh, um, for me, hiring Coach Trindle was was uh, Sean Trindle was was uh, really my first time hiring somebody that I didn't have a a previous relationship with either 
coaching against you or with you or, or playing against you or some type of, of pre-existing relationship. And uh, so it was a little bit of a leap for me, um, you know, as somebody that is that values loyalty, that values relationships, yeah. that values experience. Uh, it was a little bit of a leap for me. Um, but I think one of the things that, that made it um, a little bit easier for me to take that leap was, you know, my again, my experience at Maine with, you know, with Steve Trimper, um, who was the head coach when I was up there. Uh, I was the first person he ever hired that he didn't have um, – uh, th- that previous relationship with. So, um, you know, it, it, it sort of made me step back and say, look, if, if, if the, if it, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, like, let's just trust it, trust your instincts. And, uh, <laughs> um, so, um, coach, Tr- I won't say coach Trent, looks like a duck cause I'll, he'll get mad if I say that, but, um, uh, but we sat <laughs> down and met and, and it's very rare at this level where, where, you don't have a lot of money to spend on a coaching staff, unfortunately. And um, it's very rare to find somebody that is uh, as passionate about uh, recruiting as, uh, and, and has a, a work ethic to match. And, um, you know, if the best way, to, the best way that I can describe Sean Trill, I think he's going to be an excellent head coach sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way to, to describe him is, um, He's very willing to get in his car and go. If it means we're going to see somebody that could potentially help our program, um, he'll he'll drive whether it's 15 minutes or five hours. Uh, he's very willing to to go and do what needs to be done. And, and so the, that passion, that that certainly the, the 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 knowledge of the game, and then the willingness to to go and and do it um, made him a great fit, especially for what we were trying to do, which was which was really. Um, start from scratch with the, with the baseball program. We, like you said, we had a beautiful state of the art, brand new facility. Beautiful. And yeah. we, we said, let's, let's, you know, I wasn't too concerned. I guess the best way to put it, I wasn't too concerned about, um, maintaining a status quo. And so we wanted to, to sort of shake things up and that sort of yeah. begins and ends with, with players on your, on your roster, player personnel. And so he was the right guy, uh, at, at that time to, uh, to come in and, 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 and do the necessary work in order for us to do just that. The, um, you know, oh gosh, I have a billion questions to ask you. Um, I, I, I hate talking about wins and losses and stuff like that. And what I, I love it when coaches come on and talk about and, and go where you want to go with this, but I, I love it when people talk more, it, like it's more about more than baseball. It's more than a win. It's more than a loss. You know, you've got all these kids in your care, and I call them kids because I'm 100,000 years old. You know what I mean? They're kids. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. you know, you've got all these kids in your care. And really, it, it seems to me like it's such a responsibility beyond baseball. Well, I think that, I think that one of the great things about this game love is, is, is there, there's, so many, there's so many lessons that, that, that exist within the game. And um, when you can find players that, that are – at a, at a maturity level to recognize that and mix them in with those that are not quite there, um, then it, it's, it turns into sort of a, a greenhouse for leadership, you know, and, and you, you, I want my leaders to lead. And I say that all the time with my staff in, in meetings, coaching staff and say, you know, I don't want to 
spend a great deal of time coaching my coaches. I trust you. I want my coaches to coach. I don't want to spend a lot of time leading my leaders. Um, yeah. I want my leaders to lead. And so I, I, uh, we try and develop leadership uh, from the first day that, that our, our young men get to campus. And, um, you know, it, it, speaking about, you know, beyond wins and losses, one of the themes that we've sort of had from from the beginning uh, as, as we've taken things over is Clark University Baseball is, is going to be – I think in two years it'll be it'll be 100 years old. So it's the oldest program on campus, and there have not they're just the facts are there haven't been very many successful seasons. Uh, you know we've had now three winning seasons in in that time, mm-hmm. and and um, you know, wonder why. Mm-hmm. Well, for, you know, first, fortunately, last year was one of them, and we set you know both years that that we've been here we've set school record for wins, and, and we're very proud of that. But but above and beyond that, I think, yeah. you know, what we talk about is the perception of our program when yeah. people, you know, in in recruiting, in in discussions, and when it comes to, you know, things that don't matter like preseason polls to other things that don't matter like polls within the season and, and, and those things, we're not going to get a lot of respect. And so what we've talked about until we until we do it and do it consistently and so one of the things that I think has been really a, a learning process for our players has been uh and something I think as coaches we've really grabbed a hold of which is it is far easier to change reality than it is to change perception and so mm-hmm. if you focus on changing everybody's perception of you it's going to be like a hamster wheel and you're just going to be you know running in circles um but if you focus on changing the reality then who cares what the perception is? And so, for, you know, specific to us, if you took a poll, and I'm talking about knowledgeable people, you know, within New England college baseball, Division Three, whatever it is, if you say Clark baseball, they're, you're going to get kind of, eh, eh, they're not, not very good. They're, you know, historically they're, they're pretty bad. Um, and that's fine. Like, that's the perception that's out there. Um, the reality is that, um, you know, last year we were a, we were a, a 26 and 13 team that went to the new Mac tournament for the first time in eight years. Um, this year we're a team that came in with really high expectations and we got picked again to finish fifth in our conference, which, um, our guys were not really pleased with, but again, I'm not overly concerned with, you know, preseason polls. They don't, they don't really matter. So, um, Again, we focus every day on changing the reality and leave the perception to to those people that just don't matter. Hmm. What's what's leadership mean to you when you think of like? Give us an example. If we've got lots of different people who listen to the show, and I have, I have a sneaking suspicion baseball players listen to this show when we have coaches on. Can you give <laughs> us? A, can you give us an example of? Like what a freshman leader is versus what a senior leader is, you know. Get like a, you know, what's what's a leader sure. to do on your team? Because sure. it's hard to go in. I think I think one of the most difficult things is to go into something new as a leader and wiggle your way through figuring out how to be how to lead as a youngster. I think that's it's tough, or it can be. Right. Yeah, and I think that I think that that what we talk about is, you know, I, I think the general perception of leadership is. Um, 
somebody standing up in the clubhouse and giving a, a fiery speech to get everybody charged <laughs> up and run out onto the field, or um, you know, somebody taking somebody else by the lapels and pressing them against the wall, and that's not how we do it. This is how we do it. You know, um, that's what I think people think about. And, and there's certainly a time and place and, and importance for, for that, for that aspect of leadership. And with our young players as they come into our program, one of the things that, that we really try and impart when it comes to leadership is a leader is, is on time. A leader communicates. You know, we, we are a, a very um, high-end academic institution our players are going to have class. They're going to ha- we're going to have conflicts with with some practice time in the fall, in the spring. We we understand that, um, but your responsibility is to communicate with me. Never wavering from that to me is a sign of leadership. It's not giving up giving a pep talk to the team, um, but it but it is being accountable. Uh, and which, to me, that's where it starts. Responsibility, accountability is, is sort of the seeds of leadership. And so um, our, our young players, we want them to, to, to do those little things, um, make good decisions. And, and we talk about it often. Um, you know, Friday night, it, it's, it's time to make good decisions. And, um, and, then, and we also understand, too, that these these players that, that make up our program are human beings and mistakes are going to be made. And if a mistake is made, it, again, it comes back to communication. And, and I think our group does a great job of letting me know things. And, and I don't think any coach that you speak to is going to tell you that they love getting a call on Monday morning from the Dean of Students office and being blindsided, being blindsided <laughs> that X, Y, and Z happened to player uh, a, B, and C. So, uh, you know, the, that those types of things to me are the basis and the, and the roots of leadership that you can sort of build off of. And um, I think that one of the unfortunate or, or challenging aspects of, of developing leadership is um, I think success on the field does lend to it if for no other reason uh, for some, some credibility and, and um, mm. it shouldn't be. I don't think that, that they're, um, that they're uh, tied together at the hip, but I think that there is a connection. And uh, I've been around, I've, this is my 17th year and um, I've had, I've had some young men that were great leaders accountable. They held each other, held themselves to a high standard, held th- those around them to a high standard uh, that just they couldn't they couldn't get it done on the field, and um, sometimes that can lend to some credibility issues with with their with their leadership style. And for me as a coach, when when you recognize those things, it's about um, it's about sort of contouring the message a little bit more than more than it is stunting that leadership. So um, there's a lot. It's it's obviously a, it's a very nuanced thing, but. Um, what it comes down to is is good people making good decisions and communicating well. And I think that if you have those things, um, you have you have a, a pretty good uh, breeding ground for leadership. It's 
awesome. I've written about three things down, so don't be surprised if you go all getting quoted on Twitter or something because I don't like that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's all yours. I love learning I, stuff. Yours. Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned 100,000 years ago earlier, um, I, was a, I was a competitive gymnast for 26 years, and um, that was my, my thing that I loved to do. But it wasn't like it is now, or at least to me it wasn't. I wasn't clued into it um, um, at all, I guess, maybe. But, you know, there's a whole – I'm going with student-athlete is where I'm going with that comment because, yep, I, I got A's and I did my gymnastics and I did all this stuff. But um, without – student-athlete seems so different to me today. Um, it seems so much better I, is where I'm going with it. I, I love – this concept of school and athlete and go to school and get a degree. Not everybody goes into the MLB and an awareness toward it. Do you agree? Disagree? You know, what are your, what is your take on that? That was mine. Yeah. yeah. I and, and I think, that, I think that, I think what I've seen and again, I've had, I've had kind of a unique perspective uh, over 17 years because um, I've worked at division one. I've worked at division two. I've worked at division three. I've worked in summer collegiate baseball. I've worked in independent professional baseball, and I've worked in affiliated professional baseball. So awesome. there aren't a whole lot of like pockets of baseball that you could find that I don't at least have a little bit of time served or understanding of. Um, but I certainly don't claim to know it all <laughs> either. But yeah, um, I, I, I will. I, I would agree with you in that. There, there's a different opportunity now than ever before. And I think that, uh, again, some of that is, is super positive in that there are more doors open for, for, for young student-athletes coming up out of high school um, to, to find a fit because recruiting and, and it has gone national very simply. And that's, you know, in that, you know, for example, not to keep belaboring the point of, of our facility, but we have a rental agreement in the summer with one of the top um, summer youth, AAU, I don't know if it's the word we use mm-hmm. anymore, whatever, um, programs in the Northeast. And um, they play about 35 or so games on our field over the course of the summer. And it'll be a Tuesday evening. Coach Trindle will cover those games and, and uh, as both a recruiter and the representative of our site. And I'll, you know, it'll say, who, who played tonight? No, they were playing a team from Georgia. And I'm like, it's Tuesday, June 18th. What are you talking you know, about? Why? <laughs> and and yeah. that's, just, that's just what they do. And, you know, I remember when I was at the University of Maine, I spent what seemed like weeks down at – uh, a facility in New Jersey, just watching teams um, file through from all over the country. We were watching teams from Colorado and and Florida and Texas and Virginia and New Hampshire and you name it. And it was players. You know, it was players. The, the rosters were made up of kids. And you know, specifically in baseball, uh, it's gone national. It's expected you go play at East Cobb and you go. And you're in Georgia for ten days and you go. And so the positive side of that is that you're exposed to um, a wide variety of schools. And the good programs, and there are a lot of really good summer programs, they try to mix different things in. Over the course of the summer, we host 
um, usually four or five groups that say, while we're in Worcester, we want to come see Clark, we want to go see WPI, we want to go see Holy Cross, we want to go see Assumption College. Um, so you, there's your one, two, and three. There's your high academics to yeah. you know varying degrees. Um, and, and so the the good programs will will mix that in. So these these guys aren't just trying to play games and get their hits and and throw their innings. They're also visiting schools and seeing you know, what fits, what feels right, what did I like, what did I not like. I always tell the young men that I meet with that um, oftentimes knowing what you don't want is is more important early than knowing what you do. And and so um, those types of programs have, have, have provided uh, more opportunities. Now, the negative side to that, in, in my opinion, is – the young men that that grew up that that are growing up now playing the same way that I did, which was, you played for your high school team, you played American Legion baseball, you wore your town across your chest, and you were proud of it. They can be a little bit overlooked, and um, you know one of the things that we try and pride ourselves on as a staff here at Clark is not not overlooking those guys and 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 going to to those games, going to those venues, and sometimes. Less and less is it. I hate to say it this way, but less and less is it worth your while because their better players have been plucked to go play for these other entities. So um, it makes it That's that tricky. part of it makes it tougher. Yeah, and and then the other part is sometimes these college coaches with you know when it, especially when it comes to scholarship money at the Division One and the Division Two level, yeah. oftentimes they'll get to see a young man play once. And they're they're having to make a decision based upon that. And mm-hmm. um, the one thing that I really love about the Division Three at, at the level that I'm at now, and this is I've spent the majority of my career now at the Division Three level, and I love the the fact that it is the recruiting process is, is I call it organic. So it's it's about it's built upon three really, really important things, a baseball fit, an academic fit, and a relationship fit. So the baseball is usually what starts it because that's what we see. We go out and we see you play, and we say you can play here in our program. The next part is making sure there's an academic fit. Well, if you've got a 2.3 GPA, um, Clark's probably not the place for you, so we the, so that sort of ends some things. But if if the door remains open, and, and we have a we have a good fit there, a match academically, then I say to you, what are you interested in majoring in? And you tell me X Y Z. We have that. Not only do we have that, we have a great program. Now now it's the fun part. So we can cross off baseball because we believe you can help us. We can cross off academics because there's a match there with what we have. We have something that matches up with your interests. Now it's about our relationship. Um, can we build a relationship that, uh, that that has you saying, "I want to get to know more about Clark"? Then I want you to be exposed to my players and 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 start building relationships with them. Uh, and then those relationships, the relationship with the coaching staff and with the players, if we can check all three of those boxes, you're probably coming to Clark. And so that process to me is very organic because it's very relationship and, and, and 
academic-based, whereas in my experience at Division Two and Division One, it's a little bit different. But I also knew in Division One that if we did not succeed, we would get fired. Um, if if we don't succeed at Division Three level, we, we more often than not we're given more opportunity and it's a little bit different and that's sort of the nature of it. And, um, and so at the division one level, it's, or for me was the, my only real experience with scholarships was, uh, it, it was about where am I going to spend my money? It was a little bit more like horse trading than it was about relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I don't say this certainly is a knock on the university of Maine. I had a great experience. They're in great hands with a great coach and Nick Durba, but, we were also a little bit more out there as a big state school saying, uh, I, I didn't necessarily ask these guys what they wanted to major in. They knew what we had. And if there was a fit, it was, it was, it was more a lot of times about playing division one baseball or getting a baseball scholarship. And uh, everyone wants to sign on national signing day. And, and sometimes that can influence decisions uh, away from maybe more of that organic side. But I also hear oftentimes that, Coach, you know, even even at Clark, you know, we we've lost some players to Division One schools where they've said to me, "I have to tell blank university's you know recruiting coordinator by Friday at three o'clock or my scholarship's gone." Well, how do you feel? Well, I don't really know that I'm that it's the best place for me, but I don't want to lose that scholarship. So you can see things start to go that way. Now, now again, there's a lot of great stories about uh, about those levels and coaches and opportunities and and situations too. Um, But again, what's what what's kept me gravitating to the Division three level is nobody is here because I I bought them. Nobody is here because they felt beholden to their family or or to, to. accept the scholarship and you know all all of those things it, it, they're right. here because they know what we are we're pretty transparent about that um they like what we have to offer the relationships that we've built have been good ones and that's what the whole experience is built upon you know i love hearing all of that it ends the it it so ends the medical mystery. <laughs> you, know, it just you know, it's like it's such a mystery sometimes. All the all the recruiting and what's going on in people's minds, what they're what they're thinking, you know, all that stuff. And and um, I think I think anybody who can listen to that back from your point of view really um, can play that back and learn a lot right then and there. If if you've got a kid, you know, you know, play a young player in high school trying to figure out what to do next you can play that back and really be helped so thank you for that because that is um that's what we're here to help people be their best and that's um that's really really helpful i think anyway and, and so and to to be honest some of the things that, that we that we talk about with with young men when you know we we start out with a list of it depends on the year it depends on where we're, we're jumping off but you know, we we try and calculate our yield rate. And ours has been actually really good at Clark. I think we came in thinking we were going to be like, you recruit ten guys to get one. And, oh, gee, uh, really? And, and ours has played out to be much better than that, and and, and thankfully. And so, um, but I, I think in the first year we we had, I want to say we had about two hundred and twenty visits on campus. Um, 
and when so I always tell I always tell the the young men we're recruiting like you have to do what's right for you, what's best for you, the best fit, all those things, and don't be afraid to tell me that. And if the time comes that Clark University is not the right place for you, let me know that. And and because I'm going to not waste your time to keep calling you. I'm not going to waste my time sort of doodling your name on my next year's lineup card in my spare time. And and, and we can sort of go on. And, and I don't take it personally when I get told no. Um, but we always tell we always tell people, too, that, hey, look, sometimes you're going to go and make a decision. At some point you're going to say, I looking back, I nobody wants to admit they made a mistake, especially young men that are athletes and uh, you know, have the world yeah. by the tail. Um, but sometimes it happens that um, you realize that I don't know if it's the grass is greener or or I rushed it or I you know whatever. But we've had I've I've gotten in my three years I've gotten you know six or eight emails with with releases from kids saying, hey, do you remember me? I'd love to talk to you about transferring transferring and. Um, you know, so those yeah. those things happen too. So you know, it's you know, I say it to our guys all the time. The the in baseball, the scoreboard has a whole column dedicated to errors. Pencils have erasers, and college has transferring. So don't feel like you're you're if you make a mistake that you're that you are bound and and held to stay where you are. There's there's always another opportunity uh, if you if you're willing to sort of explore it you know you know and i i love this i love that fact because it seems like the door is always open for no matter what even if i i think even if you came across somebody that you know truly absolutely you know adored you and loves everything about the program and everything like that to me it seems like your door is always open no matter what so whether they play baseball for you or not even if they have a question it seems like your door is it seems like it's it's open but I, and again, I think that I think that a long time ago, it, it, you know, when Baseball I was young, and, and, yeah, when I was young, it was, you know, if you can't help me, then get out of my way. And then you get to a certain point, and I think I think that being a dad for the last three years has helped that in a lot of ways too. But it's, um, you know, what are we really what are we really doing here? Like we're, we're all trying to win baseball games. We're all trying to. Uh, have a good experience, and we're all trying to, you know, get get our young people on to the next phase of their life. Whether that's going into the workforce, whether that's playing professional baseball, whether that's whatever it is, and and yeah. um, you know, it can be a positive experience, not not necessarily hand in hand. Yeah. Now, um, I have a question just about about you. Can you take us back to like when you were like six years old or something like that. Have you always loved baseball? I, I ask this question of almost everybody who comes on the show, but I ask it for different ages, but what was coach Pine like at six years old? Uh, when I was <laughs> six years old, um, I was about the same size. No, I, uh, <laughs> I always said, I actually had this conversation. My brother just had a birthday. My brother owns his own business in Dedham, Maine. Good luck finding it on the map. I dare you. But um, oh, you do. Right, there you go. But um, so he's up in the Bangor area, and he owns his own business, and he's and he's hauling heavy machinery. And um, one of the things that my parents and I talk about, my brother, like I said, just had a birthday. We were talking about this. Um, 
if you look at six-year-old JP and eight-and-a-half-year-old Chris Pine, Chris was playing with Tonka trucks and bulldozers and um, dirt bikes and, you know, backhoes and (laughs) snowmobiles. And little JP was playing with baseball bats and hockey sticks and, uh, and, and, you know, you name it, you know, football helmets and all this stuff. And I don't know if it's something in my family's DNA or, or, or stubbornness falls in it, but we have never, never changed lanes. So 35 years later, Chris Pine is playing with heavy machinery and big trucks and snowmobiles and dirt bikes, and JP is playing baseball and coaching and and watching it on TV and still like, we have not changed at all. And I think that that's pretty unique, and I think it's pretty cool. And, and I think for me, what it comes back to is we had parents that. Uh, yeah. told us we could do anything that we wanted to do and supported us and didn't give us false expectations and gave us reality when we needed reality and said, um, you got a dream, chase it, work for it, fight for it, do what you got to do. And uh, we've both done what we've loved since we were those six-year-olds. And uh, so, yeah, there probably wasn't a whole whole big difference i i always tell people this and it's true I've, i have the same haircut i had when i was six i haven't really ch- changed that up at all um so i don't think there's a, like a huge difference yeah i was it was baseball for me it was um it was wade boggs i used to get chew them up as as many pieces of gum as i could i'd put them in my cheek and i'd go out and emulate wade boggs's stance and in, in my front yard by myself i didn't care and and um yeah, I, that that was me, and and mm-hmm. it hasn't it hasn't really changed. I still catch myself, um, you know, jumping into Wade's stance from time to time. My wife <laughs> sees me and thinks I'm nuts, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's not there's probably I don't know if this is necessarily a great thing, but there's probably not a huge difference between uh, six year old me and thirty eight year old me right here. Well, I think that's really cool, and I was I'm I was I I'm so curious about that. Did your did your parents because I'll tell you, I'll share a story about our four kids here in a minute. Because um, we have four boys, and they're 16, 18, 20, and 22 now. Um, but did your parents recognize that that that's you know you were baseball and he was trucks and things that move and all that stuff and um, see it? Did they did they see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah and okay. I think the one thing that I, one thing that I remember was um, when when we were in little league. So he was a couple years older than me. We were on different teams, and that was about the t- the age that he realized that he didn't he wasn't into it. He didn't want to play anymore. He'd rather, you know, do this other construction type of you know. He had different interests, and yeah. um, he wanted to stop playing. And I do remember my parents saying, um, "Okay, but you you have to play out the year. You're not going to quit in the middle of the season." Uh, and, and let other people down, and so I do remember that. And then after that, he 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 went in and focused more on the things that that he did that he did enjoy. And mm-hmm. um, and my parents knew that you know I, I loved what I was doing. And and um, I, you know baseball, I played baseball and football in high school. Um, they were at every game. And when I went to college, so I went like I mentioned earlier, I went to St. Joe's. 
in Standish, Maine. It was about two and a half, depending on uh, on uh, 95, three hours um, away. And, I mean, my dad, who by the time I was in college, was sort of getting closer to where he was was slowing down in the workforce and all that, but he was there. He was there. I mean, they, they were driving two and a half hours, and I was a relief pitcher. So, like, you're gambling. And so his his interest, <laughs> if his interest was tied explicitly to me, that trip makes no sense. So my parents sort of became the parents that were club. there, even though the, yeah, even though yeah, they were, were there. you know, two and a half, three hours away. So he was he he got more interested in watching the team and um, the guys that I was you know really close with, as interested in the, in that as as he was in seeing in seeing me pitch exclusively. So yeah. uh, I just I've always felt really fortunate that I've had you know, great support from my parents and, and, um, and they, they've always been invested in what we're doing. And at the same time, um, I never felt, um, that space was ever encroached upon. I mean, I got, I got, I'll yeah. tell you the truth. I got suspended once at St. Joe's for, um, I, I was a sophomore, I want to say, and I reacted to an umpire and I, I got ejected from a game. And um, which should never happen for a player. And I got yeah. I got suspended. Coach Sanborn at St. Joe's, who's a, a oh, person Coach I Sanborn, still, he suspended you. <laughs> I, I still look him. up to him today. I still look up to him and today. And Coach uh, Klein, really? And and he he suspended me for guy. what I felt was uh, uh, an exorbitant amount of time, four games. And uh, um, I remember, cool. and my my dad was like, well. Look, if you think you got to go in and talk to him, and, and I remember the only time ever thinking like, should I ask my dad to talk to him? And it never even came up. Yeah, it was. It never even came up that that he would make a call or he would do that. And he was like, no. He goes, matter of fact, because there there was <laughs> that we went on a trip that I didn't go on, and um, my parents oh. went to the game. <laughs> they knew I was suspended. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Sorry, so, you're, you're on yeah. you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'll call you and give you updates. That was it. This is before <laughs> the internet. Well, not the internet. Uh, before all this stuff was live stats and streaming <laughs> and all that. That's studying. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, our our kids, just to talk parenting for a minute to anybody listening who's a parent listening, you know, our kids have been kind of those same creatures as as youngsters like we have one who's 20 who just constantly was like look at the stars look at the sky look at the weather look at the tornadoes you know everything always glancing up and my husband would say huh he's either going to be an astronaut a meteorologist you know something and he's in his third year at Plymouth State studying meteorology but tiny tiny always looking up and uh, we have another one who never put a baseball down since birth, <laughs> you know, just, just always baseball. And you just feel, and he's like, I'm going to play. I'm like, okay. And then another one, the same thing, trucks, the oldest one, always into trucks, probably ro- so similar to your brother. And he lives up in Bangor. I probably should put him in touch with your brother, <laughs> Connor. He is just right. such a, everything truck. And then the little one, who's 16 now and the tallest one, he's like six one. He never stopped moving. Like you're just like, just sit still for a second. And he's in track. <laughs> so that's really funny to me. Right. Yeah. He's, I mean, and that's the thing. It's you, you find out, you know, I, I, I have a three year old little girl and, and yeah. I have no idea what she's going to be. And, and 
as long as she's happy and she's doing it, I don't yeah. care. I just want her to, to find that thing that I was very fortunate to find at a young age. Uh, and, and my brother sounds like your your boys as well. And and if it grows and and sort of blossoms into their their career or yeah. their life or whatever it is, then that's that's a great thing. And if it's something completely different, that's great too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you never know. But I just I just think that's so funny because you just sort of, in hindsight, you go, oh yeah, that's what he did, didn't he? You know, or at the time, you know, you pick up on it a little bit, of course. But um, I just it's fascinating as as parents. So I'm glad your parents were like that too, because it sounds like they me too. They um. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know the creature. Um, okay, so we have 15 minutes left, believe it or not. And um, you mentioned, um, let's see, so we've talked about Clark, we've talked a little bit about UMaine, we've talked about all the things that you've done. Do you want to talk about the, um, oh, I'm going to say, the uh, Worcester Bravehearts a little bit, the um, it's sure. Futures Collegiate Baseball League? Because that's sure. a pretty cool thing. What What is that exactly? Because I thought uh, this whole time until um, – I got set a little bit straight that summer baseball was AAU again. <laughs> so, oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah. so what is this? So the Futures League um, is is a, a similar to, you know, the, the Cape Cod League and in, in, in the New England Collegiate yep. League uh, in that it is um, players that have college eligibility – uh, from around the country, it's pretty much limitless where you bring your players in from, as long as they have college eligibility remaining. And um, the um, the where we play, we play our home games on the campus of Holy Cross, and that's it's called Hanover Insurance Park. It's a beautiful ballpark. It was built uh, in the early 2000s when they had an independent professional team in Worcester, uh, and and so we've – what it is for me, this is my second go-around in the Futures League, um, which is a much easier way to say the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We just call it the Futures League. But Futures League. Um, the Futures League, I was in Nashua with the Nashua um, Silver Knights. I was there for two years and um, when I was up at Daniel Webster College. And um, – then when I went to Maine, I, I gave that up, and uh, I was on the road during the summers for, for Maine. Uh, and then when I came back here, Worcester approached me. I initially said, no, thank you, appreciate it. But um, um, then it, it sort of came back around for me. But uh, it, it's great. I mean, we've got players, you know, you get a chance to meet players. And what I really try to do with, with, the, with, the, um, with the Bravehearts is – I, I've been doing this for 17 years, like I said, um, and and I use I try to use all of my experience to make good baseball decisions in game and and all that stuff. But what I really try and do is tap into the experience that I got working in professional baseball uh, for the summer because all of these young men, if they're willing to give up a summer, most of them have just played a 50 or 56 game schedule to come to a strange city um, to play 56 more, uh, then they have some aspirations above and beyond playing collegiate baseball. Uh, And and they they aspire to play at the next level. And so um, some of the things that we try and do are are to make it more, uh, it's more of a professional type experience. And so uh, it's understanding that uh, the one of the things that I really harp on with these guys is, um, you know, we'll play a game, uh, you know, 
there'll be 4,000 people in the seats. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'll tell our guys, I'll tell our guys, these people are paying their hard-earned money to come and watch you play baseball. So don't. (laughs) Don't take that for granted. You know, when you roll over a ground ball to second base and all you want to do is, you know, yell something inappropriate and jog, instead, why don't you put your head down and sprint? Because this guy who just worked, you know, as a roofer all day or as a, I don't, it doesn't matter, you know, all day, and now they're paying not a ton of money. It's not Fenway Park. You're paying. 10 bucks to get in and food and all that other stuff is reasonable, but, but, um, you can bring your family and not break the bank. That's for sure. Uh, Hmm. but people that choose to do that deserve a certain level of output. And so that's what we sort of focus on with that. But I've, I've actually built some of the best relationships that I, that I have to this day, um, with, with young people from across the country. And, and, um, you know, it's fun. It's fun to get, to stay in touch and um, and watch them develop, and some of them have gone on to become um, professional um, baseball players and, and are advancing. Some of them have gone on to be professional, um, you know, um, mortgage brokers, and some of them, you know, all, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you watch them develop and and you stay in touch. And the the fun ones for me are, are those that. Uh, it's fun when a guy goes on and plays in pro ball, and, and you know I've got a couple guys that I've coached in summer baseball that um, have gone on and played in the big leagues, and that's a really special, cool thing. But the ones that I think are the, the most fun are when they get they become coaches that, at whatever. I'm going to ask you about that. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, okay. yep. Keep going because <laughs> that, that was I, on the know, tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah I, I got one. So this, this is I'm not I'm not trying to hurt myself. Uh, patting myself on the back, but last Thursday um, I got my 200th win as a head coach. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. And compared to, like, the people that I've worked for and with, and it's a minuscule number, but it's mine, and so I love it. So uh, over the weekend, um, hearing from the guys that I heard from, like, I I don't even know how they knew, uh, but – it, it was it was really really special, and one of them in in particular said, um, "I just want to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to have been a like he counted the number. He was like, I'm really proud to have been a part of, you know, 94 of the 200 wins or something Aww. like that, and and um, uh, and I'm I'm coaching now, which I knew. And he goes, I still use your bunt defenses, I still use your signs, and I still use at least three quotes per day." In practice. <laughs> and and that's the stuff that makes you feel really good. And, and it's um and, and so so the, that's that's it. And I tell I, I tell all of our guys that that uh that are on our team on our roster that are part of what we're doing. At some point, you need to coach whether it is for a living, which is the smallest percentage, um, or or to volunteer while you're getting your master's degree or or continuing or or the school that you're at or your old high school. Or if it's your kid's t-ball team in 15 years, um, but whether you realize it or not, this game has given you something, and it's really, really important that you find a way to give it back. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we I talk, we talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, two of my two of our boys coach. They coach the little kids. In fact, one of them earned all of their community service 
coaching little kids and they just love right. coaching. Um, can you spot a coach? Like when you, when you, when you have a player yeah. and in reality, they're a coach, <laughs> can you yeah. spot it now? Yep. A hundred percent. But I have been surprised some too. I have been surprised that some of them have gone on uh, that I maybe didn't identify or, or thought, um, Ooh, I don't know. But I, I wonder like when I was in college, I got involved. So I recruited, I hosted recruits. I gave tours. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do this. But my behavior necessarily wasn't necessarily always, you know, the coach, you know, coachy or whatever you'd want to call it. So I wonder, you know, if you talk, if you ever have Coach Sanborn on, if you can ever book him, I'm going to. I'd love to know. I'd love, love to know what he thinks, but if he could spot me, but, um, but yeah, I definitely can, and I've been I've been right about several, and and probably wrong cool. about just as many. <laughs> this one. All right, just in, in just a little bit longer here that we, we're going to go. Uh, so I just want to be super respectful of your time. That's so cool, 200 wins. Yay. Um, Thank putting you. that out there, too. Um, can you talk about um, – I want to go back to D3 for a minute. And just talk about D3, and I want to just make sure we talk about student-athletes just one more time. I want to circle back. Um, because at some point um, – pretty much as far as I can tell everybody at some point baseball ends in a certain capacity, um, whether, you know, your playing time stops or, you know, whatever. So, you know, it comes to be a point where, you know, you're, you're, you're not an athlete anymore sometimes. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could talk about that, that importance of the degree, the important, you know, or not, or whatever. I don't know if I'm off base. You know, correct well, me if no, I'm no, wrong. Well, no, no, no. But, but I, I think it impacts. I think it impacts two things in, in in big ways. One, the 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 obvious one is 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 what what you're saying, which is at some point you need to you need to make sure that you are prepared for the next thing, whatever that next thing is. And uh, if you know, like I said, for a very very minuscule population that's going on and playing professional baseball. Um, when you get to the Division Three level, it's even it's even smaller. Um, you, you know, it's microscopic. We have a young man. Our shortstop's an All-American. He may have an opportunity to go on and play professional. I hope he does. I think he will. Uh, but a lot of things still have to happen in his favor. So he's got to make sure that he is prepared for what Whatever. what if that doesn't happen. And um, you know, at this level, not- it's prioritized that way for you. And that's not to squash dreams either, because I'm far from a dream squasher. I'm like, you go for it. You go for it. I love what Lenny DiNardo said. He said, you go for it until they rip that uniform off of you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's what I said. You know, the game will tell you when you're done. You know, not a person. A person will not tell you. The game will tell you. And so I, I, you know, the, the other, like, less obvious side of that, the thing that I try and sort of harness and use, um, as a motivator, as as uh, as sort of the fire that burns underneath everything we're trying to do, is that ticking clock um, in a senior's head is a powerful, powerful thing. And so, I, one of the things that I do is that before we start our first fall practice, is I'll take out my calendar and I'll flip, you know, whatever, and I'll look at our seniors in front of the whole team and I'll say. You have 246 days left as a baseball player. How do you want to spend them? Hmm. And and what are you willing to sacrifice to make these next 246 days the best baseball experience of your life? And then 
have you done enough to make these other guys who have 575 days left as bought in as you are, these guys that have 785 days left, and all the way up to the freshmen who have mm-hmm. what it, to them is is a, is an endless an endless supply of days left, and so that that ticking clock is you know I had I had to sit down with a senior uh, that was struggling the other day, and I said you got you got eight weeks left in your in your in your baseball life, you know like let's make some good decisions right now that are going to maximize what we've got left. And and to see that um, sort of sink in is a powerful thing to me. To to see that to sense their own baseball mortality is is a powerful thing, and uh, it's something that we use as a motivator. And and um, and to see them not want want to let that slip through their fingers, I think is is really a critical thing. Yeah. Hmm. That's uh, I just wrote that down too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you that person texting you. Go, I should oh, write I fortune cookies or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think you got to It's pretty cool. Yeah, Coach Pine quotes. I like him. Um, <laughs> you can have a whole website. Um, with with three minutes left, um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I? Oh man, I'm looking outside. It's really snowing now. I'm sorry. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you that um, I should ask? Because we covered um, a lot, but I, I, you're the wise one. I'm just here. <laughs> well, no, I, I just, you know, I think that, um, I think that one of the things that is is really important. You mentioned a segment of your audience that has young players that may be uh, beginning the recruiting process or um, evaluating colleges or, or whatever it is. Uh, I think that it can be it can be an eye-opening experience, with, especially when you talk about Division Three. I think that it's pretty well understood that when you're talking about Division One, you're talking about Division Two, you're talking about scholarships, you're talking about um, you know w- everything that goes into that process and everything. Um, and then if you love the game and what's left, I think that it can be really dangerous to say. Well, there's Division Three baseball, so if if all else fails, we can go play Division Three. Just because there's such, oh, I hate there's that. so yeah, there's so that. many schools and there's so much of a wide variety, and um, you know there there are schools in Division Three that um, that are are have legitimate aspirations to compete for conference yeah. and regional and national championships. What I would say to people is. Don't just go visit the school. Go and watch them play. And and I think that the obvious part of the recruiting side is it's time to be honest in your self-evaluation. And, and I think that kids are smarter than we maybe sometimes give them credit for. But if you go and watch Clark play, you're going to be able to walk away saying, I could play there. Or you could say, you know what, I don't think I could play there. Like, honestly, I'm looking at these guys are pretty good. I don't know if I can. And then if you go watch, I'm certainly not going to name another school, but if you go watch a different school, you might say, yeah. I can play here. I, I can play here now. And and that, I think, can be critically, critically important so that if you get to, you know, April 2nd and you've got three at-bats, you're not sitting there going, geez, I should have looked at some other places or I should have, you know, maybe this isn't the right baseball fit for me. Um, 
and then, you know, that that to me is, is I think, really sure. important is to go and see teams play a game before you decide this is the right fit or I can definitely play there or I can't play there. Yeah, That's honest. Honest is good, yeah. How come players – I'm going to keep you just two minutes more. Um, why don't players at all levels – you know, like just players. Let's say here's the pool of players for the for the year for twenty whatever it is. How do how come they don't choose just based on the school and mix up all the levels? Is is that just the nature of D one, D two, D three kind of thing? Because to me, a player could play anywhere at any school. Well, it's it's like you said. I mean, my shortstop is is yeah. an excellent player, and and there's no doubt in my mind that he could play at the Division one level, and um, you, you know. As far as the classifications, it has to do with, you know, both size and scope of athletic programs. That's you know, ability, right? it, it, it's it's supposed to be ability at some point, but but obviously, you, you know, we talked about slipping through the cracks, and that can certainly happen. Um, but but again, it's you know, th- there's no athletic scholarships at, at the Division three level, and um, and so that you know that's sort of an unfair ground. I mean, I don't know when I was at St. A's, we were non-scholarship in division two and, Mm -hmm. you know, we had some success, but we, this is years and years ago, but we, we had some success, but we knew like we were paper thin compared to, you know, back then it was sort of Franklin Pierce and, um, and, and Southern Connecticut. And it was like UMass Lowell. And it was like, Hey, these guys are state schools or, or or private schools with with full funding, and we have to we have to beat you, you know, we have yeah. to find a way. Um, so so some of those those scales are tipped to the to the schools that have, um, you know, the funding, whether it's the funding, the facilities, the weather, uh, the conference affiliation, whatever it is, that tends to that's what sort of takes that takes classification. People. And now we see it's so hard to change from one division to the next, it used to happen a little bit more frequently than it does now. Do you, um, one last question. Do you think people are lucky to be able to play at the college level? I always think people are so fortunate. Yeah, I do. I think that, I think that, and this is something that's sort of been on my plate, um, uh, recently with, with stuff going on within our program, some really great things, but it's, um, the privilege of playing, versus yeah. the right to play versus the ability to play. And um, it, it really is a privilege. Um, and, and you know, I, I think about it often. I think about um, how many kids there are at the University of Florida right now that are not on the baseball team, not on, that, that, that are great baseball players, that if they were on my roster, would they help you know, all this stuff? Um, but you find the fit. You find what you want. You find what you're looking for. And – one of the things that's really gratifying for me is to look on my roster and see guys that are at Clark. They belong at Clark academically. They belong at Clark baseball-wise. They're socially happy. Um, they're they're academically challenged. They're, you know, and, and I've said it to I've said it to recruits. If the thing that I love most about Clark University, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone, and I love that about us. And if we are the right fit. There's nowhere in the world that you'll be happier for the next four years. I love it. 
All right. I'm ending on that. It's been such a great honor to have you on the show. Thank you for spending a whole hour with us, your time, your energy. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You help others well, do their best. It's really cool. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Elizabeth, and my best to you, and thanks for having me on. Thank you. Every, thank you, everybody, so much for listening um, to the Best Ever You show. I'm going to just look outside and I don't know if I'm going to cry that it's snowing. Nah, I won't do that, but <laughs> I'll be grateful. But uh, <laughs> baseball, baseball, baseball. Um, we love having Coach Pine here with us. Um, I will put a link to Clark University Baseball um, on the show, and then we'll follow up with a blog as well. And um, thank you so much to Coach Pine for being with us for the day, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. I hope you have a wonderful day, and uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.